Hey guys, Dan Walshman here with the Edgy Conversations podcast. Yay! It's part three day. Part three of what? Well, we just listened to part one of my interview with Lior Arusi, where he was sharing about this best or nothing attitude and how it transformed Mercedes from like in the 20s to number one, which is really cool. And then he shared yesterday about FOMO and fear of missing out and how you need to be resilient or he calls it change resilience. In part three today, uh, we're gonna we're gonna wrap up this entire interview and get the great nuggets that he shares at the very end. Lior talks a lot about craftsmanship. I love craftsmanship. Think about great craftsmen, blacksmiths, woodworkers, silversmiths, what they do to elevate their game to the next level. And what should you be doing now if you're feeling pressured by the next big thing? So you, you, you got to sit down, maybe grab a pen and paper. We're going to talk about charity, why you need to give to others, why you need to give time, why that's so important. And uh, we're going to touch a little bit on why operating from a place of uncertainty is actually, hear me, good for you. Hang on. Here's part three of that incredible interview. So... Uh, the book is Next Is Now, again, for those of you who might have missed the first part of this, ne- the, uh, Next Is Now. Uh, and of course, I'm speaking to Lior Arusi, um, who is in Vegas uh, uh, for a very, very busy day of meetings. Uh, this is bright and early for him. Uh, so I appreciate you joining us. Um, so a, cu- a couple questions diving deeper into this idea of change. One of the things that I've been uh, honing in on is this idea of craftsmanship. How does the idea of craftsmanship, you know, the blacksmith, at the expert level of, 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 um, of his ability to create beautiful artwork, um, he, he gets paid a lot more than he's ever been paid before. But then there's a huge gap between that and products I could buy from China, which are made from the same material and stamped by machine and folded and bent over. There's like this gap in the middle where you're irrelevant. You're, you're either a commodity that I can, I can buy from anywheresville or you're this craftsman. So if I'm constantly changing, if, I'm, if I am accepting of your idea of next, if the next is happening, I need to adopt it, I need to become a craftsman, where do I have the time to develop the skills and the, that extra bit of artistry that allows me to become uh, highly paid for what I do? Excellent. So let's take a great example. You know, if you need to tell time right now, you don't need a watch anymore. You know, your iPhone will tell you the time, right? And yet the Swiss watches market is about $22 billion market for seemingly a product you don't really need, okay? Completely useless from a utilitarian standpoint. People appreciate the craftsmanship, they, they, they appreciate the legacy, they appreciate the design, so on and so forth. Part of what we're talking about the, uh, uh, in the book, the fifth stage of the five steps for embracing change in the book is all about the fact that you need to allocate time to experiment with the change every day. Every day, you need to allow yourself some time to stretch your mind, experiment with new things. And I'm giving a very interesting example. You know, then if you think about the, your favorite music and the favorite singer and your favorite song, and I'll ask you to write it down, um, and you write it down, most likely that person or that band, you fell in love with them somewhere in your teens or your 20s maybe in the early 30s. I've done this exercise in so many places and it's always the same thing. Very few people point out to a song that they fell in love with in their 40s or 50s or 60s. And in fact, this is actually validating a study that Spotify has done that people pretty much uh, mold and mature their music taste 
in their teens and 20s. And by 30, the age of 33, it doesn't matter where your 33 is, this is where you're done. And after that, all the other music is crap. You don't like the words. This is not the way to sing. This is not craftsmanship. This is just whatever. It's the young people. And I use that example for the lack of openness for the new. You want to talk about how to manage millennials or you want to understand other people. Listen to their music. Listen to their soundtrack of their life. When was the last time you've done that? And if you're not willing to listen to a three, four minute music of their life, how open are you to be valuable to them? If you're not willing to actually open up to that, and how difficult is it to go to iTunes, look at the top number out there, and I don't care if it's a hip hop, rap, whatever it is, you don't like it, download it, listen to it, and try to figure out what's in it, why people are liking it. That's for me about openness to change. It's a small increment effort. Go to TED Talk once a, once a week, select a TED Talk that is not in your area of, of, uh, of influence, and just explore your mind. You know, so yeah, that, yeah. Yeah. Start, start experimenting your brain with new things, introduce new things into your life and let that, let that kind of lead you. That will be the best, the best way that I look at it. It's the fifth step of the five steps to embrace change. It's called grow it. I think it's fascinating because you're right there that we do stay in our comfort zone. And I was just talking about this yesterday. Most people, um, they're more willing to, um, to, uh, receive or tolerate extreme pain than they are to put themselves in an uncomfortable situation. So you'll, you'll do something where, you know, you've got a heart attack uh, and, and, and have to take, you know, kind of, you know, be in a hospital, have open heart surgery, recover from that. They'd rather break a leg. They'd rather, you know, do the, have these really painful traumatic experiences than they would to, you know, be uncomfortable eating right. Uh, be uncomfortable exercising, right. You know, things like that, like you said, go doing the steps, go here, you know, uh, you know, you know, one of the new artists, uh, I, I don't even know all their names now. I'm an anomaly for you because see, I grew up very religious parents who were convinced that the radio and anything that wasn't Christian oh, okay. was ridiculous. So I met my wife and she was like, what? She had 9 billion songs in about 10, well, I've been married almost 15 years now. In 15 years of marriage, I'm still learning all the music. And, and you know, and so, so I'm still, and even now I'm wearing an Eagles, you know, uh, All right. an Eagles uh, t-shirt, you know? So, you know, it's like, but I know what you're saying is that you lock into your tunes, you lock into your way of life and you stay there. And if you're not careful, you quickly become irrelevant. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's, that's part of, we, we need to start allocating time for the next. We need to start treating the next, not as something that's going to happen eventually, when we're going to have time for it, but it's part of our life schedule. The next cannot be something that surprises us. The next is something that we explore. If you had to recommend one thing for, 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 for those of us listening and, and trying to deal with next, is it to try something new or is it something else? What's that one thing I'm listening going, okay, I'm going to get the book. Next is now. I'm going to listen to it. I'm sure you've got some of uh, the five steps that you're, that you're talking about inside the book. But, you know, what's the one thing you, you would advise leadership or just individuals? Like, what's that one thing that we should do? So I, I'm, I'm going to go very tactical on you here. Hopefully you're going to like it. I want you to change your password to say, what is my next? So every day when you type your password, it will remind you mentally to explore what is your next. But uh, if, if, we open a wider, if we open a wider lens, uh, I think we owe it to, to ourselves, both, both as leaders of large organizations or small organizations or individuals, 
uh, to ask at least once a quarter the following question. If a disruptor will come into our space, if an Uber will come into our space, what would they do differently? This is a question we need to ask. If somebody will come into the consulting world and blow it up and try something else, what would they do differently if they didn't have the legacy that we have? Okay? If, 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 if an organization will come and say, you know, we are manufacturing, our assets are our factories, like, really? If somebody will come today with a factory-less environment, what would they do differently? Where would they invest their money? Probably in deepening the relationship with customers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think we owe it to ourselves to ask that question. In order to be relevant and valuable in the marketplace, value is no longer in just in reliability. It's about the uh, ability to introduce to our customers new things, cool things, valuable things. What would, that, what would they do, those without the legacy? Yeah, that's... That's awesome. And in fact, in every industry where I've been able to uh, help my clients succeed at, at a really big scale, it's always been by going in, observing an industry, changing the conversation radically. I love what you said. If, if, if someone were to come in and disrupt the industry I'm in, so if you're in sales, if someone were to come, go, come in brand new and go head to head against you, no, bat, no, no background, just destroy you, what would they do? What would they have to do? Yep, absolutely. That gets you, that gets you thinking. That gets you thinking. And when, when you think about it once a quarter at least, it forces you to not take your assets and your processes and your products for granted, but, but allow yourself the possibility of what else is out there. So we, we have this question and, and we have your book. Um, what other advice you would, what, what, what would you give for us as far as, as this idea of, of change? And we've talked personally, all right, sorry, we've talked professionally, uh, at work, making money, getting promoted, um, industrial change, you know, adapting that. But at a personal level, I'm a father, I'm a husband, um, I'm involved in a community. Um, how does this apply, this, this idea of next apply to my personal life or doesn't it? Okay, it sure, it sure does. Let me give you a very simple example that uh, we cite in the, uh, in the book as well. 85% uh, of the people who receive their first insulin prescription do not fulfill the prescription. 85%. Now, in change management, in change management, they tell you that there are one of two tools, carrot or a stick. So I thought that if you go to somebody and say, if you don't do this, I'm going to amputate your leg, that should be a good enough of a stick to get them to do something, right? And yet they don't. And we behave in the same exact way on a personal level as we are on a professional level. We repel change. We embrace, we embrace the, uh, um, the fact that we know everything already, that we kind of like, we, we, we are at the place where we are comfortable and we are not exploring ourselves and keeping ourselves rejuvenated and, and, and excited. And, uh, and the challenge of what would somebody else do uh, differently, I think is equally applicable to that. So think, think about this. I don't know how you proposed to your wife, but let's assume that uh, you, uh, you invited her to that little Italian restaurant that nobody knows about. And on Friday night, you had your little table with roses and, and your, your, your uh, uh, preferred um, lasagna, and it was a wonderful, wonderful thing. But then you decided, because that event was so meaningful and powerful, 
you turn it into a routine. So every Friday at seven o'clock, you're all going to that table and you're repeating what was once wonderful. And after a couple of weeks, your wife is going to start nudging you, saying, do you have something else out there? I mean, I got it. I got it. If you're going to do that for 10 years, I think your marriage will be doomed. Because eventually she she will say to herself, does that not not really care about me? Does that not really, um, why is he not coming with more spontaneous, exciting things? Why is he stuck like that? Why is he not, you know, he was such amazing person during the dating and now he's just a couch potato drinking beer and watching and, and watching football all day where's the guy i fell in love with do you see where i'm going with that yeah absolutely. next yeah. is now is for any relationship because we are human beings and it needs to be rejuvenated you know i my, my brother-in-law who works for ibm global services went to my sister once and he said look i told you i love you once if it will change i'll let you know I'm guessing she, that was not acceptable. <laughs> no, 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 it didn't work well. He's still paying for it. And let's think about it for a second. Why are we laughing? I mean, he's a, such a rational person, computer guy. It's all binary, zero, one. Yeah. Zero, it's broken, let me fix it. One, it works, let's leave it alone. It doesn't work that way. That's why next is now, and the need to rejuvenate and to embrace change is not because change is forcing us, but because our cause of having happy parenting Healthy relationships require us to rejuvenate, require us to see the facts around. And if you reach the age of 40, please, Daddy, don't wear the same shirt from your teenage years. Don't embarrass me. You know what I'm saying? We need need to stop resisting and start embracing. And, you know, I, I cite the research from Case Western Reserve University about older people who are past retirement in Florida. And this professor, Professor Kahana, was uh, was uh, monitoring them over time to see which one was more resilient and which one was more, um, you know, living longer. And if you think about old age, you're, you're getting a lot of change. You know, people around you are passing. Uh, um, and, you know, you have people with disease. You have diseases. I mean, life is full of a lot of changes. And you know, you know what she found out? She found out that those who had volunteered actually lasted longer. Those who volunteered and connected their life to an impact on others have done much better from a life standpoint than those who just stayed in their, you know, vacation home and just tried to have fun going to whatever exercises and stuff like that. And it's another, another reminder. We are here to make an impact, not just for ourselves. And the moment we see ourselves in that context, uh, it's, it's an amazing thing. I'll give you an interesting example. When you do research about people who consume a lot and their happiness versus people who are involved in volunteering and donation and so on and so forth, you'll find happiness more in donations. So think about the fact that I could have bought, I don't know, a $500 suit or I gave $500 to the local charity. Why is that 500 suit not making me as happy as giving $500 to charity? Let me explain to you why. Because the $500 suit reminds me what I don't have. So it's actually tapping to the part of my brain that is constantly reminding me that I'm inadequate and lacking something. The $500 charity remind me what I do have because you cannot give unless you have. And therefore, it's tapping to the part of my brain that is reinforcing that I am in power, I am in a position that I can make an impact, and that's why it's much more rewarding. 
Yeah, I love that. In fact, uh, I think I wrote in my book, one of the, on the chapter in giving, that one of the hacks, even for very, very busy executives, is to give time because it, do, it triggers your brain to say, wait a minute, if I give time, that must mean I'm not as busy as I think I am. Rather than being as consumed by running, 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 to go stop, take a second, have a conversation, obviously still be in control of your schedule, but sure. giving your time which probably for most of us, regardless of how much money you make, you begin to realize is the most valuable thing you have to give your time and attention and um, money, writing a check. Yeah. Uh, you know, that, that, that's valuable and necessary. Um, you know, the, the, I, I, lo- I love the example though, because we came right back to value all over again, because, you know, about, about being valuable, about helping others, about donating your time, things like that. Um, next is now. Uh, for those of you who are joined towards the end, number one, go, go watch from the beginning. Like, don't, don't jump in now. But I'm speaking to Leo Arusi, who is the CEO of Stratitivity. Um, and uh, uh, we just talked about how uh, he helped uh, Mercedes-Benz achieve something that had never been done in the history of the company, which is number one rating. Uh, and you know what? I thought someone paid for those awards, but I guess you're the guy behind the scenes helping people earn those awards. There are some awards, you know, there are some awards that are, uh, you know, are, are paid for, but the, the, yeah. these, are, these are the ones you cannot pay for. But I have to you tell can. you, you know, throughout, throughout our career uh, at Strativity, you know, we've helped companies who've had their products being uh, pulled out of the market by the FDA, and it was a major crisis. I had clients who've gone through mergers and acquisitions were absolutely painful. I've had clients who have gone through uh, privatization. I mean, Royal Mail, the, 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 the oldest uh, mail service in the world, 160,000 unionized employees. I've had a client who have gone through a crisis where the SEC was investigating them, their stock uh, tanked, and they couldn't really find financing. We are with clients at very, very critical moments, at very, very challenging moments. Uh, and, you know, I have to tell you three things that, that I learned in the process of how to help people go through change. So the first one is um, change is going to have a lot of uncertainty. If you're going to wait for all the answers, it's going to be too late. We need to start building the, the competence and the confidence to operate while not having all the answers and while not having a fully defined plan. And it's scary for people, but this is the new reality. The second thing is, those who hung onto their products and their processes did not fare well. Those who deepened their customer relationships could have brought any products underneath that because they controlled the relationship and it doesn't matter what came underneath it. Because if you were the, the product expert on X and that product became, became obsolete, then you could not really pivot so easily. But when you own the customer, you can pivot very easily to whatever changes is going to come out there. And the last one, and the most interesting defining factor is uh, when what I saw organizations, you know, approaching change, dealing with change, uh, there were two types of responses. There were those who brought their biggest fears and they were pulling the organization away from change. And then there were those who were able to conquer it, have the courage to have their biggest hopes enter the conversation. Yeah. And those who were able to conquer the fears and so the bigger hopes were the ones that were able to move forward and, and be successful. And that is the challenge of every one of those organizations. And next is now, I hope, will actually instill hope in people and give them the ability to develop future hopes with the next as opposed to resisting it with their biggest fears. So I think that, 
that's the place to end on because that's amazing. So just to recap what you said, <laughs> number one, operate from a place of uncertainty because you're not going to have all the answers. Boy, that works professionally. That works personally. That works with kids. I mean, all the time I'm asking myself, like, where's the manual on this thing? You know, it's, it's, you know, so you have to, even if you're uncertain, you have to operate too. I love your comment about owning the customer. Just be amazing at that level of service uh, because products are going to come and go. And, 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 but if you own the customer, that, that, that's forever. And, and, and then, you know, third, uh, you know, you, you, you know, this amazing insight about, about change and it's coming. And I go back to your earlier comment, change resiliency. Uh, amazing. Okay. Tell us, uh, we know next is now it's the book. We're all going to get it. Listen, shame on you. If you don't, um, uh, obviously, yep. If you're wondering how to spell Leor's name, there you go. It's on there. Next is now, uh, do you see the blue book with the, with the letters on it? Uh, yellow now go get it right now. Uh, Leor, where can we find out more about you and Strativity? So, uh, best way to find out about us is strativity.com. Um, if you have any questions, anything, just info at strativity.com. There's also a leorarusi.com if you want to learn a little bit more personally about me. And recently, I put a very, very personal interview on mymorningroutine.com. So, uh, those of you who want to get to know me a little bit more on the personal level, mymorningroutine.com uh, ran a very interesting. Even my own family was kind of a bit uh, surprised that I, I was willing to open up that way, but it's, it's all out there. Uh, book is available at a wide variety of places, bn.com, uh, Amazon, uh, CEO Read, and on Simon & Schuster website, which is the publisher. By the way, to your uh, thing, I finished recording. I'm, a, I'm, I'm actually a recording artist, and the book will be available on uh, audio as well uh, very, very soon. That's awesome. Well, fantastic. Listen, I know it's bright and early there and you've got a whole day ahead of you. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Um, Thank you. Uh, these lessons are just so valuable. So I appreciate your time. Thank you very much. All right. We're out. That's okay. Um, hey, seriously, have a great day. Thank you so much for spending Thank you. Time. This is amazing. I'm going to chop this up. Uh, I'll download it over, you know, uh, put it on our podcast, put it out as a video. And then we'll put your book up and different stuff like that, uh, different highlights of that. So thank you so much. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Take thank care. You. Have a great day. Cheers. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, after three episodes with Lior and myself, I one, I hope you've been uh, inspired enough to go grab the book, The Next Is Now by Lior Rusi. It's one of six or seven different books that Lior's published, but he is, um, when we turn the cameras off, and the microphones, he shared with me that he thinks it's his best work yet. He's taking everything he's learned about transformation, disruption, and, and bringing it inside this framework where you can teach your team and your clients that, listen, change is happening, baby. Life is changing. Things are going to get better. Things are going to get worse. It's all moving in a direction uh, where you might feel out of control. But here's the beauty of it. Here's the beauty. You get to control your decisions. You get to just, just to control your outputs. And employees are looking to you for change. And I think we're going to end this where we started it. Mercedes has a slogan, the best or nothing. And as you're looking to provide value to yourself, to others, as you're looking to be valuable in a world that's full of copy and paste, man... What if your attitude was the best or nothing? 
That's so good, I'm not even gonna leave you with an advertisement. I just want you to think about that. The best or nothing. I'll see you back here for the next episode on the Edgy Conversations podcast.